This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. And this idea of prayer really is our spirit to be able from a distance to be able to fight the enemy. I believe that prayer for the believer becomes for us today a spiritual drone, a spiritual UAV. That from wherever we're at, we can send out prayers against the enemy and in support of believers. Even from a distance, you and I can now do battle with the enemy as we pray for loved ones. Pastor David vividly illustrates how prayer is the Christian's long-range weapon of warfare. In his past teachings, he's spoken about the full armor of God and how useful it is for hand-to-hand combat. Well, you're also armed with a weapon that can be used around the world from the comforts of wherever you are. You're able to pray, to pray for people in other countries, such as Pastor Saeed. Our prayers are the drones of spiritual warfare. Even from a distance, you can make a difference. Let's join Pastor David in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 18, with part one of our message entitled, Long Range Warfare. You know, over the last uh, two or three weeks, as we've been finishing up the book of Ephesians, particularly in chapter 6, when we got to verse 10 and on through, we've been talking a lot about warfare, a lot about spiritual warfare, and that's, that is the direction that Paul was going in this section, in this portion of Ephesians. And through the years, physical warfare has changed. We've seen a lot of change uh, in, in the process and in the way that, uh, again, wars are being fought. The armor, we spoke about the armor of the soldier last week, of the Roman soldier, and how that pertains in our lives. The armor has changed from what it was in Paul's day to what they wear today. When gunpowder was invented or introduced, suddenly bows and arrows and spears and these little wooden shields no longer uh, were usable, and they had to, again, lay those down and, and change with the way. Once the battles took to the sky, whether that be through balloons or through aircraft, suddenly the battle wasn't just within the horizon. Again, the battle changing. Propellers gave way to jet propulsion. Sailing ships gave way to nuclear submarines. The catapult was replaced by something called the atomic bomb. Battles have changed. Warfare has changed. Physical warfare has greatly changed since Paul's time. Yet today, even as we expand in these physical means of of warfare, the capabilities of something that's new, that, uh, well, it's not real new, but uh, it's being used a lot more now, something that's called drones or UAVs, unmanned aerial vehicles are in use today. Right now, today, a, a technician can sit in... Colorado and over a computer screen can launch a drone out of an airfield in Iraq, fly it over to Pakistan, find a direct and specific target, destroy that target, fly back to Iraq, land at the airfield, all under the control of that technician in Colorado, all able to do that without spilling a drop from his coffee cup. Warfare Physical warfare has changed greatly. During the Persian Gulf, 
the Iraqi army. Actually, they surrendered due in great part to the UAVs that were launched and controlled from the ship, the USS Wisconsin, that was out in the Persian Gulf. Warfare, physical warfare, has changed. Fighting from a distance definitely has its advantages. To be able to go and assist troops on the ground without having to be physically in their presence truly has benefits to it. Physical warfare has changed, but you know what? Spiritual warfare remains the same today as it was in Paul's day, even all the way back to the garden. Spiritual warfare remains the same. The enemy remains the same. His tactics remain the same. And the words that we get from the Word of God 2,000 years ago written for us remain necessary and needful in our lives today because of the spiritual battle that each one of us are impacted by. On the surface, verses uh, 18 and 20 here in chapter 6 of Ephesians, they, they don't quite tie in as well with those previous verses that we looked at over the last couple of weeks. It appears to be kind of a transition that's not normal for Paul. He's been speaking about this spiritual warfare. He's been talking about the armor that we had. He lists the armor that the soldier of, of Christ needs to wear. He says we need to have on that breastplate of righteousness. Our feet need to be shod with the preparation of the peace of the gospel. Uh, the shield of faith that's there, again, to be able to guard us against all the fiery arrows of the enemy. That helmet of salvation that's so necessary, the most important thing, is that you are saved, that you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And then he speaks about that sword of the Spirit. Again, each one with an overall purpose of battle against the wiles, against the attacks, against the deceits of the enemy. Paul ends up this listing of the armor by then Calling for that believer. Yeah, take on your helmet of salvation. Yes, bring up that sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. But then he moves directly into an intense call for prayer. He doesn't list it as such, but I believe that prayer is also one of the weapons of our warfare, both in offense as well as defense. And as we look at it within the place and the context of what Paul is stating, though he doesn't speak of it that way, I believe it very much is. Remember last week we spoke about the fact that Paul doesn't mention the Roman soldier's spear, that he could stand back and lob this spear at the enemy and from a distance be able to attack an enemy, or at least the distance of being able to throw one. He doesn't have that listed, but I believe, again, this idea of prayer really is our spear, to be able from a distance to be able to fight the enemy. I believe that prayer for the believer becomes for us today a spiritual drone, a spiritual UAV, that from wherever we're at, we can send out prayers against the enemy and in support of believers. Even from a distance, you and I can now do battle with the enemy as we pray for loved ones and friends and families. Even from a distance, you and I, we can battle with the enemy as we pray for the saints all around the world. We can be praying for the saints in Chechnya. We can be praying for the well as they develop this ministry. From right here in Casa Grande, from the comfort of your own home, from your own prayer closet, you can be sending UAVs over to Chechnya against the enemy so that that 
process, that well, that, that ministry there could continue. You and I can send those long-distance prayers to uh, Thailand in, in support of Susan Staples as she's ministering there among the Hmong people. Again, the opportunity for us, without ever leaving the comfort of our home, without spilling a drop of our coffee, we can send over those spiritual drones against the enemy. You and I, as believers today, we can, as, uh, as believers, we can send prayers long distance to imprisoned believers like Pastor Saeed Abedini in Iran, who's been imprisoned under a, uh, a charge of, again, disrupting the, the nation and the beliefs of the nation and has been sentenced with eight years within an Iranian prison. He was, again, a, a believer. He was born in Iran, but yet he became an American, then came to Christ, and from that time felt a real burden on his heart to go back to Iran to be able to share the gospel, the life, the truth that saved him. Yeah, a child of Ishmael that came to Christ that now puts his life on the line. You and I can be those that are also praying um, continually and praying effectively for a man like that. Pastor Abedini, his wife and his two children are still in Idaho, but now he sits in a prison in Iran facing the tortures that come against him. The battle for life that Pastor Abedini fights is a real one. But, beloved, it's a spiritual battle even more than a physical battle. And again, I'm reminded of a verse that we've looked at several times as we've been going through this section in Ephesians. Paul writes and tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So we see along with the, all the other gear that Paul speaks about in Ephesians 6, he now calls for this consistent, this fervent prayer. Look at it with me, if you would. Ephesians chapter 6, looking starting at verse 18. Paul writes, Praying always with all prayer. Now, this is after you're dressed up, after you've gotten all the gear on, and even as he says in verse 17, uh, that, you know, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, ready to go. You've got the full armor on. And now he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints, and for me that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. The the intensity, the the urgency of this call to prayer can be seen by the choice of Paul's words. And yes, I know that he was led by the Holy Spirit, but I believe that the Holy Spirit placed within him that same urgency, that same uh, intensity that he writes for it. Listen to the words there in verse 18. He says, pray. Sometimes? No. Pray always. With all prayer. With all supplication. He says, pray in the Spirit. He says, to be watchful. He says, be watchful with a purpose. He says, to pray with all perseverance. Pray with all supplication. Pray for all the saints. 
Again, the, the tenses of the, of the Greek language and the specific words that were used there show how very adamant Paul was in the concerns that he had in this overall spiritual battle that believers are a part of. And he says, you and I as believers, we need to be praying people praying for all the saints because there is a battle that's going on and there are many, yes, many even within our fellowship that are suffering damage because the enemy is having his way with them. When our versions, particularly my New King James Version, translates Paul's words as praying always, well, we can kind of miss the point of Paul's request. Well, it's not really a request. It's, it's Paul's command to you and I as believers. The Greek phrase actually means to pray at all seasons. Pray at all seasons. Beloved, you need to understand that Paul wants the believers to pray when they feel like it and when they don't feel like it. Paul calls for believers to pray when it's convenient and when it's inconvenient. Paul directs us to pray when we're victorious but also when we ourselves have suffered a great defeat. There's many times how the enemy can come to us, and when we've suffered a defeat in our own spiritual walk, and we don't even feel that we can come before the throne. But, beloved, I submit to you that that's the very time we need to go before the throne, that we need to be seeking the Lord. Paul believes that prayer is needed in a time of peace, but he also knows that it's absolutely necessary in the time of battle. There seems to be this reoccurring theme in Paul's letters. And once again, I, I feel it's because Paul himself, he was, he was a seasoned warrior. He knew what it was like to be in the midst of this spiritual battle that it comes against, the spirit comes against our emotional well-being, our physical well-being, every aspect of who we are. The battle is that strong and it's that intense. Paul knew firsthand about that. During the same time that he wrote the book of Ephesians while he was under house arrest there in Rome, Paul also wrote the book of Colossians. It's in the book of Colossians that we read Paul declaring that we need to continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. In the book of Romans, again, Paul writes to us in Romans 12, he says, not lagging in diligence, but be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, and continuing steadfastly in prayer. In the closing words of his first book to the church of Thessalonica, Paul tells us in chapter 5, he says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. For you and I, as believers, to pray without ceasing, that is the will of God for our lives. To pray without ceasing. You, you think that Paul's kind of being repetitious here. You think that it's something that's very heavy on Paul's heart because he writes it over and over and over again, a continuing theme. But yet it's not unique to Paul. This very same idea, uh, the very same word phrase that he uses often in his writings to the church actually came out of the very mouth of Jesus as he ministered to his followers. Back in Luke 18, verse 1, Jesus desired that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. After stating this command to his believers, Jesus went on to 
talk about that parable of the widow woman and the unrighteous judge. Many of you recall that, where the widow woman wanted the judge to, again, avenge her against her adversaries. And she would go and she'd knock on his door and say, avenge me, you're the judge, do something about it, and nothing was done. She would go back again and 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 go back again. Until finally the judge says, okay, I'll take care of it. Well, Jesus explained to his followers that God is much more righteous than that judge. And he'll hear those who cry out day and night to him. In other words, those who pray without ceasing. A little bit later, still in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 21, Jesus is teaching about the end times. As he finishes the teaching, he encourages his followers to watch, therefore, and pray when it's convenient. No. Pray when you've got time? No. But to pray always, that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass, and to stand before the Son of Man. James, the brother of Jesus, he also understood the necessity of intensity and consistency in our prayers. In the book of James, James writes in chapter 5 about the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availing much. To help us to understand what James means by that idea of the effective, fervent prayer, again, the, the Greek word phrase can also be translated as this energetic supplication. In other words, it's, it's not a passive thing, but it is a very active and energetic thing. He says the effective, fervent prayer, the, the energetic type of a prayer that comes before God with that anticipation that God's going to hear and that God's going to answer. Not just going through some rote uh, prayer, not just saying a prayer that's within some book, but it's the reality of a human heart that's being poured out to its Heavenly Father. It's the kind of prayer that Paul asked for in his own life. Back in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19, he says, Oh, and don't forget, and pray for me, that utterance might be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. When you think about the place where Paul was when he sent out this request, you get kind of a better understanding of, of what Paul was asking for. As I said before, he wrote the book of Ephesians while he was under house arrest in Rome. It was during this time Paul had appealed his case to Caesar. He had been arrested or taken under uh, control back in Jerusalem. The Jews wanted to kill him, and they didn't really care whether the Jews killed him or the Romans killed him. The Romans took him and again brought him under trial. Well, in the midst of the trial, uh, Paul says, you know what? I'm a Roman citizen, and I have the right, and I appeal to Caesar. So they said, you appeal to Caesar, then to Caesar you'll go. After all, the Roman leaders, they didn't really care to do anything on this thing because it was going to be a, a non-winning battle for them either way. And so they sent him to Rome, and so now he's there in house arrest with Rome. And Paul's request for that was that utterance may be given to me that I might open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Paul was imprisoned in a house waiting to come to speak to Nero Caesar. 
And I believe that Paul's prayer was pointed and focused toward that thing. You know what? I'm going to have a chance here very shortly to stand before Nero. Pray for me. Pray for me that utterance might be given to me, that I might be able to speak boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Paul, I believe, with all earnestness, desired to share the gospel with Nero. Can you imagine if Nero came to the Lord? How much history would have been rewritten? Paul didn't get that chance, but Paul understood he was an ambassador of Christ in chains. He wasn't asking for release. He was asking for prayer as he stood before Nero and those the, the, the guards that, uh, again, watched over him day in and day out, 24-7. Paul wanted to be able to have opportunity wherever he was to be able to share the hope and the truth of the gospel. And he was asking for believers far away from Rome that were located way over in Ephesus, you be praying for me because as you do that, that's throwing a spear at the enemy to defeat the enemy's purpose in order that God's purpose might be made known. That's, again, from Ephesus commanding and controlling a UAV to come and drop, again, these bombs or this attack against the enemy. He was asking that long-distance prayers be offered up for the ministry that he was involved in in order that it might be eternally successful. Some of you have heard, some of you have read, you've seen emails about or uh, articles on the Internet about Pastor Saeed Abedini. Pastor Saeed, again, a believer, yet he's also Iranian. As I shared, he's from that offspring of Ishmael. Loves the Lord, but he also loves the Iranian people and felt a call by God to go back and to begin establishing house churches in Iran, which is totally against their laws. Now in a prison cell, he was able to get a letter out to his family, to his friends, to the church. Listen to these words of this brother that even right now today is suffering torture and torment for the cause of Christ. He says that the conditions here get so very difficult with my eyes uh, that my eyes get blurry. My body does not have the strength to walk, and my steps become very weak and shaky. Various bullying groups, the psychological warfare, a year of not seeing my family, physical violence, actions committed to humiliate me, insults, being mocked, being confronted with extremists in the prison who create another prison within the prison walls, and death threats. He goes on to say, but of course, I can clearly see what is going on because I want to serve God. I see all of these difficulties as golden opportunities and great doors to serve. They are empty containers who are thirsty for a taste of the living water. And we can quench that thirst by giving them Jesus Christ. Maybe... You are also in such, in such a situation. So pray and seek God that He would use you and direct you in the pressures and difficulties of your lives. It's interesting. He changes now from the cares of His own life to be able to speak to believers all throughout the world. He said, so see your golden opportunities in pressures 
and difficulties. See the shining morning star in the dark time of your life. He writes, I love him. He is so gracious, merciful, and righteous to me. I now know that I've not been forgotten and that we are together in this path. God gives me grace. This is my message for the church. Stay strong for his glory. He will come back soon. Be with God and give your best efforts for his kingdom. We found out that here just recently, part of the torment, part of the torture that Pastor Saeed is going through. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Open Word. Pastor David will continue verse by verse through the book of Ephesians next time. Now, we want to encourage you to become a Facebook friend with us. Log on to TheOpenWord.com and follow the link to The Open Word Facebook page. To stay current with what's being broadcasted here on The Open Word, subscribe to our Twitter feed at The Open Word Radio. You can subscribe to The Open Word Podcast at TheOpenWord.com or search for The Open Word in the iTunes Store. The Open Word Podcast is always available and completely free. If you're like most people, you probably use a smartphone. Once you subscribe to The Open Word Podcast, you'll always have solid Bible teaching available to you anywhere, anytime. So log on to TheOpenWord.com and subscribe to The Open Word Podcast. And to become our Facebook friend, follow the Open Word Twitter feed, or to access the archive of messages, log on to theopenword.com. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next study of Pastor David's teaching through the book of Ephesians. That's next time on The Open Word.